Welcome to Joey Ito's Conversations. Today's conversation is with Nikola Danilov of Singularity FM. He interviewed me a while back, and I asked him if I could interview him back. Today, we'll be talking about the transhumanist movement, Chironics, Beating Death, and Singularity. Hi, Nikola, a.k.a. Socrates. How are you? <laughs> Fantastic, Joey. How are you today? Very good. Um, it's weird because uh, uh, Nikola just interviewed me for his uh uh, do you call it a show? Yeah, it's my podcast show. It's your podcast show, and it's a video. And uh, uh, originally, because when I read up on it, it sounded like uh, kind of Church of Singularity. And since uh, Nikolai was responding to my uh, somewhat anti-singularity rant, I thought he was going to try to do some sort of uh, trial by fire crucifixion. And uh, and when I saw Nikolai interviewing other people, he always or maybe had this save your soul and, and baptize you <laughs> to the church, bring you into the church. Exactly. As a new That's exactly right. And, and you always had these pieces of paper, and you would quote people. And I sent you my my thesis uh, with your uh, assurance that you wouldn't quote me, but then you went through and quoted me. Do you remember that? <laughs> Did I? But I, I thought your assurance was just not to quote the pages because those could change. But no, no. the content was fair play. It's fine. It, it turned out fine, but I, I was worried uh, that uh, the content would change. But anyway, um, nice to have you on my show today. Um, uh, I've, uh, you know, and it was a little bit weird too because I think you mentioned that you usually uh, don't like to talk too much about your own ideas and you usually are the more of the interviewer but i got you to talk about your own ideas a little bit but that got me very curious uh to try to understand better um the whole transhumanist movement and i think of all of the people i've talked to uh you have gotten as close as anyone to uh i wouldn't say converting me but uh increasing my sympathy and so this is your <laughs> shot at uh at uh converting me and maybe some other people on uh on the uh uh the you know both the the uh, logic behind and maybe the philosophy of um, transhumanism and you know I think there's a couple of different things I think in one of your um, uh, shows you went after somebody for conflating uh, singularity and transhumanism and so I thought maybe where we should start is maybe you can define for us what transhumanism means. Um, to you, but also broadly, because I think one of the things that we both um, end up, I think, getting is that we often ha end up being uh, uh, clumped together with other people that use the same term, but maybe we don't agree with. So maybe you can describe right. what transhumanism is generally, but also what it specifically means to you. Mm -hmm. Well, so generally, the idea behind transhumanism is that science and technology would help us to overcome our very human, also human, biological limitations. Now, that could uh, include simple things like, for example, reaching a fruit at the top of the tree with the help of a simple stick. You know, that's a technology. So, so, so a stick, uh, uh, so, so the minute we had a stick, we were already transhumanists. Well, yes, under my interpretation, okay. not all uh, transhumanists would ag agree with that. So bear with me for a minute, okay. and I'll draw the line between me and the rest of the community. Okay. So the idea is that generally the two biggest limitations in the community are aging and death, right? But, but also intelligence. And so the idea of transhumanism is that science and technology would help us overcome our biological limitations, whether it's physical limitations such as reaching the top of the branches 
whether it's intellectual limitations, such as, for example, using a calculator or a computer or even a book, simple, simple book, old school book, whether it's uh, health uh, sort of uh, limitations, such as, for example, when we lose a limb due to an accident or due to cancer, and whether it's our limitations that are basically pre-programmed within our genes, that's to say aging and inevitably death. Now, where I kind of differ a little bit from the general idea of transhumanism is that I don't think there is really a hard line in the sand where we can say, okay, this beyond up until this point, we're human. And after this point, we stop being human and we become transhuman. You know, mm -hmm. to me, even simple technology like picking up a brunch already helps us overcome our limitations. And, you know, wearing clothes, wearing shoes, wearing glasses, uh, having a car or a bicycle, everything that we've done for thousands of years, the wheel has helped us overcome our biological limitations. And therefore, I don't see the hard line in the sand. And therefore, I would argue that transhuman is simply being human. That's what we do. That's what humans do. We come up with stuff to make our lives better, easier, more comfortable, safer, and so, so that we can so live then, longer. So then why, why have the word transhumanist if we're just being human? Well, exactly. And that's been in the, in the community. That debate's been in the community for a while, which uh, uh, kind of so... You know, uh, we also have even the term humanity plus, which is another attempt to, to sort <laughs> okay. of bring so it more towards... At, at least you didn't, I didn't call it humanity 2.0. <laughs> yeah. Well, Max Tegmark has a book called uh, yes. from MIT. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know Max. Yeah, he's, he, he's, yeah. Uh, so, okay, but uh, sorry, I derailed you. So, so, but it sounds like so far you're just talking about augmentation. Well, so... We uh, then the idea is that eventually, maybe we would become even post human, which is to say, we become sort of disaugmented uh, beings which do not require any biological representation or embodiment anymore. But we can become simply augmented beings that can move from one medium to another, whether it's carbon, where it's biology, whether it's something else. Mm -hmm. And then we would overcome most of the limitations, including perhaps uh, not simple death in the biological sense, but there are claims which, which go as far as saying that we might be able to alter the death of the universe mm -hmm. or, or, or so, postpone the death of the universe. So is, is, is it, but, but it's, is it correct to say that in general, you and the transhumanists are fighting to beat death? Well, I, I so, so first of all, I'm just a philosopher, okay? So if, <laughs> if, fighting, if uh, fighting is like educating people, helping them ask the right questions, but, uh, informing them with some current possibilities but, of, but of it, the but if you, if you had, Let me say this. If you had the ability to direct resources at something and trying to eliminate and beat death was one of them, would you do that? Yes, I would definitely do that. I wouldn't yeah. go all in. Uh, in the sense that it's it's a matter of balancing act uh, between, uh, you know, let's say, preventing uh, uh, children's death because we know there's something like I don't know, 10 million people, uh, 10 million children that die every year, which by the way is much better now than it was five or 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but but so definitely, I believe that we deserve a considerable uh, sort of effort 
to at least postpone death and, and extend healthy life as much as possible and eventually eliminate it? So the answer is yes. And and you you also believe that there's a good chance, a good shot on goal that we'll be eliminating Let's call it, I think uh, Yuval Harari calls it, become amortal. So it's not necessarily immortal, yes. but that, that aging as a factor in death will disappear. Well, look, the idea is that basically we are these very complex biological machines. Mm-hmm. Aubrey de Grey has the example of a, say, vintage uh, World War I uh, car or one of those World War I biplanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know... We know everything there is to be known about the internal combustion engine, about how the plane works, what the parts are. So those were designed to work uh, safely for maybe a decade. Mm-hmm. Now we have people who can fly those airplanes a, hundred, uh, a century later and drive those cars and even go race those cars, by the way. There's vintage car races a hundred mm-hmm. years later, right, with Ford Model T or something, mm-hmm. right? And the reason for that is that we have the science and we understand how each part works. We can produce each part as a part and we know how to put them all together. Mm -hmm. Now, the idea is that we take that metaphor and we say the body is a very complicated biological machine. Mm -hmm. And our understanding and awareness of how each part works gets better and better all the time. Mm -hmm. We know how the parts come together and we're already working on being able to produce whether it's with bioprinting or with all kinds of different ways, the Mm -hmm. parts are new, right? And then, therefore, eventually, the idea is that just like we're able to sustain cars that were designed Mm -hmm. to be driven for 10 years only for a century, Mm -hmm. likewise, we would one day we'll be able to extend human life Mm -hmm. uh, that was designed to last maybe up to 120 years for maybe... Centuries. And, 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 and do you think, so by the way, but, um, just for full disclosure, I think that someday we will probably figure that out. I think it takes longer than many of my friends in Silicon Valley believe. Um, so if we don't get it in t- well, first of all, do you think you're going to figure it out in time for you? You know, I don't know, to be, to be honest with you. Now, Ray Kurzweil says that we would uh, reach what's called longevity escape velocity, Mm-hmm. Which is to say, the mo- so look, right now, every year that we get older, our life extend, uh, expectancy is being increased by about two and a half months or so. Mm-hmm. And the idea Although it's going down in the U.S. right now, actually mostly with young people. But. Well, yeah, maybe the U.S. because of, you know, obesity epidemic and diabetes and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. on average across the globe, the idea is that science is helping us prolong life by about two and a half to three months every year. And that pace of improvement or progress is also itself accelerating. So Aubrey de Grey calls that the moment that when we can, every year that we get older, we can extend human life expectancy by another year, uh, is the moment that he calls longevity escape velocity, because at that moment we would basically be able to become, as you said, immortal, which is to say if we get run by a truck on the street or someone drops a piano on over, over our heads as we're walking, mm-hmm. we'll be dead, but... You know, we are not going to be uh, succumbing to aging uh, related diseases and we would generally be able to live indefinitely Mm -hmm. or at least to those bridge points. So let's say we extend life by 10 years, within which period we're going to come up with new remedies to Mm -hmm. cure all the damage accumulated for the past 10 years and so on and so on Mm -hmm. indefinitely. Right. So Ray Kurzweil talks about these bridges that you Mm -hmm. jump from one bridge to another. Now, personally, I I'm not quite so certain it's going to happen at that time. Mm -hmm. I hope it happens for me. 
I'm not sure it doesn't. But to me, that's like a personal question. And that's not an interesting thing for me because I'm a simple philosopher. To mm -hmm. me, the more important question is, so what? How does humanity change when that happens, whether it's mm -hmm. 10 years from now or 100 years from now? Because you see, the very meaning of being human has been derived and very much related to our mortality, mm -hmm. right? And so once you take that out of the question, the very meaning of what it is to be human is up for grabs. And of mm -hmm. course, when you throw in synthetic biology and the fact that we will be able to basically manipulate and reprogram our genes and change our sex, race, age, uh, physical attributes and all of that, then it's not on, only personal identity and humanity, everything is for grabs. So everything that we thought we knew of for sure for the last you know, 10,000 years since our civilization started is up for grabs. Mm -hmm. And we have to redefine so, it. So, so I, I know you, you want to you, I want to talk about the science and the philosophy, but just I want to keep poking on you for a second. So, but you're sure, you're you're going to freeze your brain, right? If you if if you die before we've figured out how to fix uh, the uh, uh, body, uh, you're going to cut off your head and freeze your brain. Is that right? Well, I am an associate member of Alcor uh, mm -hmm. Cryonics, uh, and so, but I have not become a full member. So, in principle, uh, if it happens, let's say, to tomorrow, it may not uh, happen that way. Uh, but in principle, the answer to your question is yes. I would want to get to a point where I want to uh, become a full member, maybe with a different organization or, mm -hmm. or what have you, and basically do uh, either full body or neuropreservation. Mm -hmm. But the idea is that full body is kind of besides the point, because if they can bring people back at, at some point in the future, then you might so, as well get a whole new so, brand. So who's, who's, the, who's the they? Is it uh, some alternative future group that is going to revive you like a vintage biplane and fly you around? or what's <laughs> <laughs> Well, you have those, you have those uh, uh, Ford Model T clubs, right? People who basically go to junkyards and revive <laughs> old abandoned rusted out so, cars. So imagine me and you now creating this record and maybe, who knows, someone maybe as a joke or maybe some fans in the future of this show and our conversation would say, hey, Joey and Nito look to be like two pretty cool guys to have conversation with. Why don't we revive them and bring them over to visit <laughs> our club and have some nice discussions with us? Maybe yeah. they can ask some good questions, you know? So... Or maybe when you sign up with that certain foundation, a certain part of the money that you pay for your preservation goes into the endowment fund. Mm -hmm. And the endowment fund basically stays into the future and invests invest very conservatively. And mm -hmm. then when the science and technology gets to a certain level, you can start using those funds to actually revive the people. So, but you, you kind of have to have a little bit of trust in the future of humanity if you're going to do this, right? Very much so. Not a little bit, I think. Uh, a lot yeah yeah okay so so yeah. let's let's go to that because I, I i was reading your your uh manifesto a transhumanist manifesto that you can google and find right. online and it was actually quite helpful um and uh uh i wrote that a bunch of years ago and my thinking okay. has evolved since then but, but okay I, I'll, I'll give you i mean and you, and you do say i think in your video that it's a uh it's a work in progress but um Right. The part that I like, the line that I liked the most was, we must all respect autonomy and individual rights of all sentients 
through the universe, including humans, non-human animals, and any future AI, modified life forms, and other intelligences. I think that's a very inclusive comment that is consistent with my view and also one of my um, skepticisms about the word uh, humanity, because often we redefine humanity to be quite parochial. And uh, we know through the history of racism, for instance, that, uh, you know, humanity is a slippery uh, definition and we probably are um, causing a lot of things to suffer that uh, we shouldn't. So, so I like that idea. The, the, the part that kind of got me... Uh, 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 definitions, because that's very important since we're yeah. discussing this issue. Yeah. So there's three definitions here at stake that are very uh, pertinent to our conversation. One is humanity. And for many thousands of years, we still do not have a commonly accepted definition of what it is to be human. So the best that I have personally come with, just so that you know where I'm coming from, is that humanity is a process. It's not an entity. And the meaning of what it is to be human is constantly rediscovered by each and every individual in each and every epoch and each and every generation over and over over again. Now, the two other terms that we need to define are what is life and what is death. Now, let's start with death. Death doesn't have a definition, okay? Take Encyclopedia Britannica. In the first edition, in the 1768 edition or something like that, basically death was the separation of the soul from the body. Since those days, we have changed the definition of death 30 times in Encyclopedia Britannica, right? So, for example, in the beginning, it was the cessation of, of breathing. So we used to have the, the mirror test. Put a mirror to, uh, under somebody's nostrils, and if, it doesn't, if they don't fog the mirror, they're dead. Then we uh, started uh, listening to heart. Uh, once we uh, don't observe uh, heart rate, then the person was considered dead. Then in the 1960s in, in Harvard, uh, they defined death as the brain death. Basically, if your brain doesn't have any uh, brain activity, then you're considered dead. And every time the definition of death has shifted forward due to development of uh, science and technology and medical understanding and, and ability for us to reverse this process. And now we have suspended animation, which in turn has challenged uh, the brain death definition in its, in its own right. So there is that issue that we still cannot define what death is. Then you go to biology. We don't even know what life is. What, what are the living things? And, and the, the, the line between death and, and life are, is not so clear. So, for example, viruses are somewhere in between. Are they dead? Are they alive? And sometimes viruses uh, attack so-called dead cells and they rejuvenate them and bring them back to life to become their own hosts. So, uh, and of course... Uh, we have uh, zoological examples of, of organisms who do not seem to exhibit aging and or death like humans do. So all those definitions are kind of like a little bit all over the place. <laughs> but, but, but you don't like biology, it sounds like, because here you say transhumanists of the world unite. We have immortality to gain and only biology to lose. What do you mean by that? Well, look, so... Again, that was written <laughs> okay, okay. years right. ago, but, but basically the idea is this, that biology comes with certain costs, and, and I, I actually refer to those costs in the beginning. I say that, uh, first of all, biology is not the essence of humanity. Human is a step in evolution, not the culmination, right? Uh, but also, 
there's a limited durability. There is death and poor memory retention. There's also limited speed of communication, uh, problems in transportation, uh, learning, interaction and evolution. All of that baggage comes with biology. Now, I actually don't hate biology. I quite enjoy it. And I think uh, we can improve in it so we can overcome or at least alleviate those limitations mm -hmm. by a factor of who knows what, so, maybe 10, maybe 100, maybe 1,000. So, um, and in this case, maybe I would be able to embrace biology much more even and yeah. would prefer to stay at that level rather than become totally disaugmented okay. or, or augmented so, being, which is like post-human in, in its essence. Okay, so you would say that since you wrote this, you may have evolved a little bit away from the uh, anti-biology style. Because you, you say things like, we can break through the chains of biology. and uh, uh, <laughs> but Right, and, and look. This is a manifesto. Manifestos yeah, yeah. are no, no, a lot I know. more yeah, declaratory. Yeah, yeah, no, right? no, no. I'm just trying to get the spirit of this. So, so, but, right. but, but, so, but, but it is. Let me to go back to the original part about augmentation. It's really trying to use sure. technology and science to beat, overcome our limits, overcome the limits, and and, and and through design and science and technology, maybe beat some of the constraints that the biological evolutionary system has put on us. That's is that roughly what. Yeah, anything that you consider a constraint. So, for example, if you are an intellectual and yeah. you have a problem with the fact that you can only read books so far to acquire to acquire knowledge right. and a fraction of the scientific papers published, you know, every year, and you have a way to sort of have a brain, a new brain computer interface that allows you to sort of download matrix style all that knowledge in your yeah. head, Many people would go for that. Other people, for example, who are born uh, men but feel that they're women inside mm -hmm. for whatever reason or vice versa, feel that they need to change their biology mm -hmm. to reflect their so, proper identity. So, yeah. so, so, so each I, one, to each their own. Each yeah. one has their own so, limitation to so, struggle with. So I, I, I think I like the ethical uh, uh, freedom, individual freedom, part of this so far but what does concern me when you said get rid of all constraints so so if you think about systems like so one of the uh, reasons that the life expectancy in america is going down is not because science and technology can't do it it's that we have a social system that's failing us and people are getting addicted to drugs and the system fails we have enough uh, you know it's very funny when you read uh, the website for abundance, which is another uh, book about you know singularity uh, uh, by, by Peter Diamandis, yeah, and and he talks about how science and technology will make it so abundant that we'll have enough food for every man, woman, and child on Earth. Well, we do at least for now, but we can't Already distribute it properly, enough. right? So, so how do you think that we could solve? And this gets maybe back to this notion that you believe in humanity, but but I'm concerned that science and technology isn't the answer to the complex systems problems that we have, like climate, like social inequity and health, and that we, we more science and, and constraints are actually important in nature to make sure that cancers don't go out of control or that populations don't collapse. So, so what's, what's, how does that work? Right. So I agree with you entirely. Uh, as you know, uh, I wrote a, a number of articles on that, on that topic. So one is called The Danger of, uh, of Being Exponential. Uh, another is called uh, technology is the how, not the why or the what. And finally, 
probably the keystone one is called uh, technology is not enough. So I agree with you that we need science and technology, but they're not enough. We need something else. And yes, system thinking is very, very useful here. And you give a great example uh, of the current uh, problems that we're experiencing uh, in the United States and to a, a slightly lesser degree in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that... Example? Yeah, and that's kind of my concern with the movement is that a lot of the people who are involved in the transhumanism but and the singularity the movement, movement responsible for that well a lot of the people who i believe that i know um, and many of them that you know are engineers who are working in very profitable uh, exponentially growing corporations who are right. often producing science and technology without thinking about the uh, second-order consequences of society without thinking about the ethics. And, you know, in, in, uh, in your manifesto, I think the best parts are uh, this the earlier thing that I read. And also, you're saying compassion is the ultimate measure of intelligence. I, I don't think most people that I know necessarily believe that. I think most of them think of intelligence as a, you know, if you look at the open AI, you know, I think their definition of intelligence is uh, a machine that can win the game. You know, and, and again, I think this is interesting because when you look at, I mean, you're kind of negative on the evolution, but um, Martin Novak from uh, Harvard, who uh, you know, does evolutionary uh, dynamics, he shows that actually through research that uh, altruism and, and actually cooperation are fundamental uh, to evolution and that the very rich complexity that we end up with that builds a resilience comes from the evolutionary dynamics of cooperation and that, in fact, competition is only a small piece of evolution. But I th- it feels like right now we have a very competitive environment where a lot of uh, uh, corporations and, and engineers are trying to build kind of uh, the machines to take uh, for singularity and for transhumanists to somehow transcend humanity without thinking about this complexity that, that you seem to be concerned about. Do, do you, do you, are there others like you? Oh, look, so, so first of all, it's my manifesto, so it's my opinion. And in, in, my, in my world, I come from this very sort of a Buddhist, if you will, uh, uh, kind of utilitarian in the Western world, sort of uh, John Stuart Mill and Jeremy Bentham tradition, if you will, about diminishing suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, because to me, intelligence is useless if you use it to cause suffering. Right. And, and by the way, which is also where I differ to a great degree to most people in the community is that to me, uh, life is not enough. So, so people would say, uh, like, uh, the, the leader of the current transhumanist party in the United States would say life is right and death is wrong. And, and he puts a full stop after that. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to add, I want to say, Okay, life is right, but that's not enough because hopefully that life is for a reason. It's for a purpose. You you know, uh, what's the point of of having a a good long life if you do nothing with it, Mm -hmm. right? So so to me, the question is, so what? Why? How? Uh, Why should you have that long life? What are you going to do with it most Mm -hmm. of all, right? Mm -hmm. And to me, the answer is, my personal answer is to try to alleviate suffering. And mm-hmm. cause as little as you're going forth at the same time. So, right? so are so you? This is, you know, so you're like the Martin Luther of the Church of Transhumanism, s- s- hammering your manifesto on the church wall. Is that or the door? Is that what's going well, on? Well, well, first of all, like yeah, I'm. I don't know if that's a, a compliment or an insult or or I don't know what what it is, but 
But I, first, I am not so important as him, that's for sure. And and secondly, um, I mean, I yeah, I'm definitely not of his of his rank. Yeah. So yeah, it's just my views put forward, and and whoever and look, my whole point of my work is basically to create a symposium. Mm-hmm. And this is symposium is an idea that comes from ancient, ancient Greek uh, Greece, and basically is a drinking party. And the idea was that a bunch of people come together at the time of Socrates and they had good food and good drink and enjoyed each other's company and discussed very important topics, whether it was law, ethics, aesthetics, love, friendship, war, religion, uh, etc., poetry and so on. And at the end of the night, hopefully, people left it with a new understanding, new level of awareness than they came in with. And if Socrates, who was usually the host, uh, uh, did his job right, he was just a midwife to helping people giving birth to their own ideas, Mm -hmm. which is why all his students came up with these philosophical schools that were mutually incompatible. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I have a strong opinion of my own. I don't hide it, but I don't plan to impose it on people. It's Mm -hmm. just a bouncing point where they can sort of start to consider their own positions. And mine is that the highest level of intelligence would be uh, aiming at diminishing suffering, Mm -hmm. at least as far as I'm concerned. So so I think, you know, you would definitely be on my um, good person list. And now I'm going to maybe, (laughs) maybe I'll I'll stop shooting at you, but maybe ask you kind of as a close observer of the transhumanist movement, I think on your show, you often criticize uh, other people who are in the singularity and transhumanist movement. I mean, my, my fear is that um, there are a large number of people who are uh, grasping for exponential growth at the expense of uh, ethics and at the expense of nuance. And uh, I fear that, uh, you know, the, 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 because of the financial returns for uh, those companies that are exponential, that they have an asymmetric amount of power. And so, so even though there are some people with the nuance that I think is required for the ethics and governance of these systems, my concern is that overall the movement is fueling uh, a kind of, I think it is kind of a worship because it, it, but because when you start thinking about life and death and the allocation of your resources and your children, it gets as close to a religion as you can get without actually calling yourself one. And so, so I feel like the religion in certain forms uh, is dangerous because I think it. Uh, 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 um, again, I th- it's it's funny. I think um, uh, the. Uh, when Martin Rees was still just a sir, he was telling talks about the Chironics uh, lab that uh, when they asked him to freeze his brain, he said no, and he just rather die when he de- was dead. And they called him a deathist, you know. And and the the right. idea that that people who believe in death are somehow a different uh, ist than the, the 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 people who believe in. Uh, you know immortality. So, so it. So is that? Do you, you don't? Do you see any danger? And and how? You know how concerned should we be? Because I think there's part of it that just feels weird, which I think is unfair. But the part that I think I'm concerned about is: is this something we need to stop? Is this something we need to turn? Look, the the transhumanist community is just like any other community. There's all kinds of people, and maybe even higher number of people who have you know, high advanced levels of narcissism and and sort of uh, uh, personal uh, hubris and so on. 
But that doesn't mean they're not good people and that doesn't mean that they're, it's not a noble cause. Uh, because again, this is, and if you think about it, just forget about transhumanism for a second. This is what medicine does, supposedly. Medicine yep. is intended to alleviate suffering, right? The whole field of, menis- of medicine. And uh, let's say uh, if, if, that, uh, if it takes a, a double bypass or a organ transplantation, uh, or if it takes a suspended animation, if they can do that, or whatever it takes, they would supposedly keep trying to uh, save your life for as long as they know there is a chance based on their current skills and knowledge to do something about you, right? So transhumanism in that sense is no different at all. And, you know, uh, medicine in time has progressed tremendously and has helped us a lot. And that's very transhumanist in this nature, Mm -hmm. in its essence, or you can say human, humanist, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't see that as a bad thing, alleviation of suffering, because uh, also it it can be a very productive thing. Uh, Even if you look at it from, let's say, the GDP point of view, uh, think about uh, how many years it takes uh, for someone to become a a good uh, professional. You know, usually we reach our professional peak between 50 and 60 and then we start diminishing due to simply to, due to the fact that our biology starts crumbling underneath us. Mm-hmm. But we are actually intellectually at, at the peak level at that time. And we only are able to transmit a small fraction of our knowledge to the next generation. So they have to rebuild almost from zero up. Mm-hmm. So imagine if we only give people 30 more years, let's say from 60 to 90 of healthy extended lifespan where they can work for another 30 years how much that's going to help everything around us. I don't know right? if it's so going to help universities, though. We'll just have fa- faculty who are tenured for a long time. <laughs> well, you know, universities have all kinds of problems of their own in our current world with, you know, overpricing and the, the, the fact that knowledge has become free nowadays on the Internet and you can mm-hmm. learn basically about anything about anything as long as you're interested and committed to doing it without actually going to university. And in most cases, people go in most places. Now, if you're talking about brain surgery, that may be an exception. But in most cases, uh, you know, you don't necessarily need to go to mm-hmm. university. So, uh, so they have a number of other problems. So if I can save humanity, look, every day we have somewhere between 100 and 150,000 people die from old age. So if we have to... Uh, have problems with the university and save a hundred thousand people a day i would say save the hundred thousand people because that's tremendous suffering right there and Mm -hmm. it's not only their personal suffering but it's the suffering of the people around them and all of that and 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 i'm sure you get this question a lot but uh, you know in in systems dynamics there's a great book by donella meadows called the limits of growth which says that in any constrained uh space uh, you can't. You have to have a limit to growth because you run out of resources. Right. So, so right. what what do you think about population and just increasing and keeping things around? There's a reason why we recycle things. There is, and and nobody said that with the help of science and technology we cannot close the loop, mm-hmm. right? Uh, much much better and more efficiently than than we are doing right now. And perhaps one way we can do that is if we extend those people who are at their peak between 50 and 60 and give them another 30 or 40 years of productive scientific lifespan that they can produce so much better tools and science that can help mm-hmm. us close that gap, right? But generally, um, 
Can you just repeat the question again? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think, I think, yeah. So there's two things. I think the that, limits uh, of growth. Growth. Yeah, about. yeah. So, so, you know, how? how because like, I feel also is basically. I th it sounds like you trust humanity and society more than I do because my initial in inclination is that we're going to have a population explosion and all the wealthy okay, people I will get it. the science first and you'll get Trump, Mugabe, and. Putin living forever before right. everyone else, you know. Okay, so so is, are we to say then that, you know, because Putin or Trump or Mugabe can have a quadruple bypass or an organ transplant or a, you know pacemaker chip like Dick Cheney did, by the way. Yeah. Uh, are we to say that all those were inventions that we should have never invented and they, we should have never started using them? Just think about it, right? So. Every technology comes with a good and bad side, which is why, mm -hmm. as I say, my work is, is, is about ethics and about filling that gap that you pointed out in the community. And my uh, thesis from the get-go has always been technology is not enough. And I want to mm -hmm. bring in ethics precisely because I share many of those concerns that you mm -hmm. have. Mm -hmm. However, I don't think that we can say, well, Putin can extend his lifespan, therefore let's ban and let's mm -hmm. have all mm -hmm. those 100,000 people a day keep dying. And, mm -hmm. of course, we know that we disagree, we agree with that because this is mm -hmm. why science keeps progressing. Mm -hmm. And, look, let's talk about overpopulation. The mm -hmm. biggest challenge right now is not overpopulation. It's our overconsumption. Mm -hmm. and, and let me give you another example. We don't need one iota of better technology and we can easily double the population that we have today. We know that currently we can sustain easily 14 billion people on our planet today. The only difference though that we need to do is a behavioral difference, which is much harder than a scientific difference apparently, mm -hmm. because we need to switch from a meat-based diet to a plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. right now 70 or 80 percent of the corn and soy and grain that, that's grown uh, around the world doesn't go to feed people, but goes mm -hmm. to feed animal animals. Mm -hmm. And we know that we kill something like 70 or 75 billion animals mm -hmm. a year, every year. And somewhere between one and three trillion fish, by the way, mm -hmm. which is where, again, ethics comes and which is where, again, you see personal behavior choices without any change in technology, can easily diminish the, the, the cost to the environment that we put currently mm -hmm. and can give a lot of room for our population, by so the way, did without you know, even destroying the animals. Did you know that the emperor of Japan 1,300 years ago, Emperor Tenmu, uh, banned uh, livestock for ethical reasons and for sustainability reasons. So it's not a new idea. I think it's actually a good idea. But uh, but but I think so. So but let's take that idea. It's it's not a new idea. It's a good idea. Um, but it's a very difficult idea to get people to uh, adopt. And many of the technologists are the people who some of them are in your camp. But many of the technologists, I feel, kind of want to brute force their way through by trying to use science to, and technology to gain without giving up, you know, and, 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 and so, so, I so, agree. Yeah. So, so this is a perfect example. So for example, um, when I went vegan about, uh, two years and a little more than two years ago, uh, you know, lots of people from the transhumanist community are like, well, I would wait until we have 3d printed meat. Uh, and, and, and but then the question is, why wait? Why do you want to 
persist doing damage to the environment and to the animals and by the way to your own health which is of course again why we have that obesity epidemic mm -hmm. and all that stuff mm -hmm. happening uh, why wait when you can actually for technology and science to one day maybe in a decade or so give you that option when you can make that choice today right me and my wife we we went called turkey vegans overnight we just mm -hmm said we're going vegan tomorrow and we went vegan uh, and that was it uh, and so I completely agree with you that that people uh, and the other by the way inconsistency in the community which I often want to point out is the fact that you know we all want to extend our lives with all, all that science and technology and cryonics as a plan mm -hmm. B but we can actually do a lot uh, today with proper nutrition and proper lifestyle choices but mm -hmm. most people in the transhumanist community, unfortunately, don't seem to be interested in that. So mm -hmm. that they would be very overweight, they would eat all kinds of garbage, they would uh, drink a lot of alcohol, many of them even smoke. In other words, they do all those life choices that we know cause diminished longevity and healthy lifespan, mm -hmm. and yet they would rely on science and technology. And that to me is not not a good ethical choice because mm -hmm. we know there's negative externalities to the environment, to the animals. Mm -hmm. It doesn't help our health, it diminishes it. Mm -hmm. And I think we that's why I keep pushing forward personal responsibility, personal choices and personal ethics because we can go a long way uh, uh, with those. And I think actually even if we're not ready uh, for by making those choices in advance, even if science and technology give us that that life extension, then we it would just perpetuate old bad habits. So, for example, imagine you're an alcoholic, but you're a very rich one, and then you have a very poor alcoholic, right? And imagine we have uh, perfected uh, uh, 3D organ bioprinting, so we can print new livers for people for a large number of money. So, if you're a poor alcoholic, you're going to die because mm -hmm. you can't buy a new liver. But, but if you're a rich billionaire alcoholic or you do lots of drugs or whatever and you destroy your liver, you can keep printing new livers and you can keep, you know, transplanting them into your body and basically mm -hmm. continue this kind of suicidal, self-abusive and, and damaging act mm -hmm. instead of actually addressing the act, mm -hmm. right? And I've gone on the record a number of times trying to point that it's more important to address the behavior that we can address right now than simply rely on outside help from technology and from science. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so it, it sounds like uh, while you are a transhumanist, it's rep this whole movement represents <laughs> a lot of concerns for you that we need to address before we put the jetpack on, right? Well, look, uh, this whole movement possesses lots of promise and lots of uh, danger, just like any other movement in the world. Uh, so, so for example, uh, you know, and, and I wouldn't say that uh, Francis Fukuyama called transhumanism the most dangerous idea. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with that. I, I think that there's a number of uh, very dangerous ideas out there, and 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 <laughs> it, it, transhumanism is, it, is not the most dangerous. In do, my do you opinion. think it's dangerous, just not the most dangerous? <laughs> I don't think it is dangerous because I think it's mostly natural. I think what's dangerous is things like, for example, nationalism to, taken to the extreme. Mm -hmm. uh, I think what's dangerous is, is and what's worrying me is, is generally not transhumanism and transhumanists, but militarists who think that they can solve the world problems with 
military force. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in a nuclear world where we have like seven or eight and, and a growing number of nuclear-capable countries and where we have, you know, sort of decentralization and democratization of, you know, uh, the science and technology with which we can produce weapons of mass destruction, whether chemical or biological of, uh, mm-hmm. kind. Mm-hmm. Maybe not nuclear, but, but chemical and biological, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those are a lot more dangerous things t- uh to me, and to me, the most dangerous thing is, is probably human stupidity. And mm-hmm. human stupidity is not limited to transhumanists, by the way. <laughs> human stupidity is very popular among politicians, uh, among heads of states, uh, apparently, uh, mm-hmm. both in the West and in the East. Uh, and many of them have their, their fingers on the nuclear button. Mm-hmm. So that's those are things that I'm a lot more worried about that I'm wor- worried about transhumanism, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I, it's uh, getting up on the hour, and uh, uh, I think I asked most of the things. We didn't get too far into the science, but I will. Why don't I go ahead and go on the record that uh, I'm not sure I agree with everyone's time scale on um, uh, beating death, but I think it's something that's coming, and uh, I think that uh, you know, I, I I think that we need to. Uh, I think humans are quite adaptable. So I think our systems will adapt. But I think just like any change, like even climate change, we're going to have a lot of uh, suffering through that transition process. And I'm not as optimistic as some people. And and, and you, I think you were on the record that you, you're, you're not that uh, optimistic about uploading the brain. Is that right? Well, I hope and I also think that right now we have a lot better scientific evidence to say that chances are we're making more progress in terms of healthy life span extension mm-hmm. via a number of different ways rather than, uh, let's say, uploading the brain. Because the brain is the most complicated thing that we've got, uh, mm-hmm. one of the most complicated things in the universe, if not the most complicated things in the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our understanding is very far from complete right now. Whereas uh, our understanding of our biology is also very far from complete, but I think we're a long for uh, a lot further down that path, you know, with uh, CRISPR and genetic manipulation that, and we don't know which bush the rabbit is going to jump out of. So, for example, with Methuselah flies, I think it's only two genes that you need to tweak, and mm-hmm. their lifespan jumps mm-hmm. by a factor of five or six, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. two genes. Mm-hmm. Now, humans are obviously a lot more complicated. But we don't know which and where we're going to tweak something, and that may not give us a mortality, but it mm-hmm. may give us another 20 or 30 or 40 yeah. years. And, and, right? And I, I do think, though, um, just looking at genetic engineering, in, is that the, everything has trade-offs and side effects. And it's, it's, there's a very interesting story that I right. heard from a scientist who was working, he, uh, uh, he was uh, uh, looking at babies, and uh, he noticed that Interestingly, that um, uh, autistic babies tended to have uh, higher brain folding, more bronchial folding, and more intestine folding, and some of them were more intelligent. And but they all had respiratory and GI problems. And his hypothesis is that there's a gene that increases folding, so mm-hmm. your brain folds more, your bronchial tubes fold more, and your intestines fold more. That's his hypothesis. And that as we try to get more intelligent, we know that more surface area of your brain might make you smarter, but you end up with more 
problems in your so so I think that I, I and it, that may not be true. It's just a hypothesis, but to me that gives right. you kind of a good image of what genes do, right? So you turn one gene, it doesn't just increase your intelligence or increase your height. It also changes a whole bunch of things. It's very fractal, and I think right. especially it's a very, with yeah, yeah a, complex system. Yeah, and and also with life, you know. You, you once something may only happen once you become two hundred, you know. So, so, so I think it's a, it's an interesting question um, because I don't think at least today we have models that are sophisticated enough to uh, design uh, the kind of interventions that we would need. So I think we can fiddle with things that show uh, like telomere lengthening or or um, you know flies to live a little bit longer. But we, I think it's it, I think it's quite complex and. Um, a, a, a much harder than 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 um, much harder to be completely accurate than we we would uh, imagine. Yeah, I agree. But don't you don't you agree with me though that it it seems like we have made a lot better progress along that path than uh, the path of brain uploading. Yeah, I, or I, mind I, uploading. I, I agree. I'm pretty skeptical of mind uploading. I mean, I think. My my joke is I think the types of people who believe in mind uploading are the kinds of brains that are easily uploaded. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. That's um, a good one. And you know, there's a number of neuroscientists which would agree with you at the cutting edge, by the way. Yeah. And there would be others who would disagree with you. Just like there are people who think that telomere lengthening would prolong life or extend healthy lifespan and others who think that it would cause cancer, for example, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? So to me, it doesn't matter which bush the rabbit comes out from. To me, we and we have five or six different uh, strategies that we are pursuing currently right now, sort of in parallel. Mm -hmm. To me, the more important question is, so what? So whether I'm lucky enough to be there and benefit from it personally or not, humanity would still have to grapple with this mm -hmm. question, so what? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that would come out in the form of, collectively, what does it mean to be human as a definition, but also personally answering the question, who am I, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Which is going back again to ancient Greece in a way where, we you know, we had above the door in the temple of Delphi, we had the inscription, know thyself. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, again, let's close the loop again, that the better, the closer we are to knowing ourselves and who we are today, the better we're cap we're going to be capable to control and direct those new that new science and technology towards better ends mm -hmm. rather than than self destructive ends, yeah. right? Because if we are not ready for all that power mm -hmm. that technology and science is giving us, we can totally self destroy ourselves mm -hmm. and destroy most life, if not even all life on our planet, but probably most life, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I and and I think I think that's actually right. I think that. Uh, self-awareness, thinking about these questions, asking these questions is essential. So that part of your show and the transhumanist movement I like. What I don't like <laughs> is the the more organized religion-like blind worship and faith that technology will solve everything. So they go on being unethical, not taking care of the environment, and just kind of, you know, literally right. Hail Mary. Uh, and and selfish. Yeah. Uh, there, there are examples, and I agree with that, and I've gone argued with these people, so... Uh, uh, and of course, there every movement has a fraction of of all kinds of people, right? So, mm -hmm. the, and there is definitely sort of religious undertones, and different people take that to a different level. So, just like most religions, transhumanism promises you immortality in the bio mm -hmm. literal biological sense, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, 
So it's a, it's kind of it, it has become for some people a religion. Okay, mm-hmm. and so for example, when I uh, for example mourn the the death of another species and the fact that we are causing the extermination of whole species, you know, kind of wholesale, people just tell me, oh, don't worry, we'll bring them back. Uh, at some point later on, you know, we will get we, we got their genes. We'll bring them back, mm-hmm. you know. But but what's commonly missed is that let's say we bring the woolly mammoth, mm-hmm. right? It's never going to be the woolly mammoth because mm-hmm. the woolly mammoth is not just a biological creature, but the woolly mammoth was a herd of woolly mammoths which had a special, unique kind of a social structure. Mm-hmm. which was only developed within the context within which or the epoch within which they lived and thrived. And mm-hmm. so today you may kind of recreate biologically a woolly mammoth or even a herd of woolly mammoths, but they would learn from normal elephants. So mm-hmm. they would never be woolly mammoths in the sense of their social structure. And we know elephants have very uh, kind of complex social structures. Mm-hmm. We know they mourn their dead. Mm-hmm. We know that they go... And, and give uh, pay their respect to places where an older elephant has died or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the social structure, the culture of the woolly mammoth will never be brought back to life, mm-hmm. uh, even if we have a biological representation. And to me, that's a part of the great loss that we're experiencing mm-hmm. right now. Yep. Right. So and, and secondly, it's very selfish to say, oh, it's okay. In the long run, we can destroy them all. Now we can push them to extinct. And we'll bring them back eventually. So I've gone to argue with people like that. But again, this is only a fraction of the community. Mm-hmm. So let's not blame the whole community for yeah. the sins and, of a few. And, and hopefully, and I'll the, put that in yeah. in religious terms for you. Yeah, yeah. And and, and 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 hopefully the machines that bring you back are as 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 thoughtful as you. <laughs> well, look. And again, I am personally, as I said, I am a philosopher in a simple simple kind of a philosopher, like Socrates was, rather than a complex one, like. Kant or Hegel were, uh, but to me, personally, I hope I can benefit from it. But that's not so important. The question is about humanity. It's not. I'm just like a, a, a an infinitely small speck on an infinitely small speck in an endless universe. Mm-hmm. So who cares about me? The question is about humanity. The question is what's our uh, sort of uh, what do we leave after us? whether it's individually as persons or collectively as a species, do we make the world a better place? Do we make it a worse place? Do we alleviate suffering or we cause suffering? Because if we cause the death of 75 billion animals a year, the extinction Mm -hmm. of uh, species, and we're now in the sixth extinction, the annihilation of the global sort of uh, environment in all kinds of ways and climate, uh, and the water cycles can get messed up and all of that, then clearly we're not being good stewards to, to, to our most prized possession, which is our planet. And we only have one of it. And so just to, to, to show you uh, where I also differ with some people like Elon Musk, whom I respect very much, for example, is that people say, well, don't worry about destroying the Earth. We're going to colonize Mars and then the universe. And mm-hmm. that's all great. I'm all for that. But let's not destroy our best planet because, look, this is as close as heaven we can ever find. I mean, Mars would never be as perfect for humanity as Earth is for us right now. Uh, so let's not destroy our perfect mm-hmm. heaven right now, right here, uh, in the hope that, okay, we're going to uh, colonize the universe. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, well, we're on past the hour, so I'm going to wrap this up. That was a great ending, Nicola. <laughs> and and uh, 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 I, I look forward to uh, continuing this conversation. And uh, uh, you have uh, moved the needle uh, for me towards compassion to the transhumanists. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, I may bother you with some questions some other time. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Joy. It's always a pleasure, and I hope next time we get the pleasure to do this in person, perhaps. Yes, definitely. See you. I'm, I'm old-fashioned yeah. that way. <laughs> yes, well, c come on by. All right. All bye the bye. best.